Hi, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, this is from Daniel chapter 9. Uh, sorry, chapter 7, verse, starting at verse 9. Um, this is Daniel speaking. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Great. Thank you, Rachel. Good morning, everyone. My name's Dan. It's great to be speaking to you this morning. Um, I'm part of the leadership team here at the church. I'm very echoey today. And um, yeah, I just it's great just to be in this uh, series in Daniel. And, but before we get into that, I just wanted to say, am we all right here? Can you, shall I just keep talking? Um, just wanted to say what a, an amazing church family we have. If you're new, if you're visiting, uh, hopefully you'll experience that. Um, but I tell you, God, God is on the move. You know, God is on the move. Um, am I on? Sorry. Even this morning, uh, Phil, um, Luke, some of our guys were in uh, HMP Humber doing their chapel service. Um, and as they, as they preached the gospel, 12 people... Get made stood up to say, I want to follow this Jesus. You know, God is on the move. And, and, and often we're catching up on what God is doing. Uh, you know, I, and God is using, using us to advance the kingdom. And, and actually, a lot of the time, it's those just as you quietly go about being salt and light in the places that you're in. You know, this week we launched uh, our warm space where we're giving people a space where they can come and get a, a drink, meet people, engage with activities. And it was brilliant to see many of, of you just here welcoming people, demonstrating the love of Jesus to those coming into the church, some of them for the first time. You know, last Sunday, I think I got a picture up. Um, we, had a, a seri- we had our cluster meeting out in the east. It happens uh, once a month in Hedden. Um, and it was, for me, it was the end of a very long Sunday. Um, It began with the clocks going back, which for most of you is an extra hour in bed. Not when you've got three young children. It basically means the day is an hour longer. Um, uh, We then went to Sheffield for a trip for my my niece's Thanksgiving service at at my sister's church. Um, We then uh, then returned, stopping at Cottingham on the way for a five-year-old's birthday party, and then straight out to Hedden for our cluster meeting, and I was shattered. I was absolutely shattered, but... I was so glad to be there because once I got there, I listened to people sharing stories of, of how God had healed them. 
listened to stories about how God had been with people during tough moments. Uh, I listened to, to John Smith de- deliver a, a fantastic message on what, how God had been speaking to him through the, the book of Daniel. And I left with just a really full heart. Such a reminder of the wonderful family that we have uh, at Jubilee. And at times, it, we're a dysfunctional family. We don't always get it right. But God is using us to build his kingdom here in this city and in this region. And the city does notice As we embrace being family together, or as we give ourselves to loving our city, people do notice. Three weeks ago, we launched publicly our, uh, to to the members of the public and to local community, our Full View project. If you've been in Jubilee for any amount of time, you'll know this is our uh, new building project, which is going to install a a community space and cafe at the front of our building, make improvements to this building so we can serve the city even better. And as we launched that publicly, there was about 60 people here from local businesses, the local community, who were blown away by the work that we're doing as a church. Now, currently we're in the, the fundraising phase as we look to raise uh, significant amounts of money and do be praying. Please pray for miraculous provision as we talk with businesses, as we individuals, as we put in grants so that we can move the project forward. And while that fundraising is taking place, we're working with, you know, we're working with architects on the design, getting it exactly right. We'll have more stuff to share with you over the coming months. Uh, and please do be praying for the project. It is big plans. Some days I think, how big is this? And then I have to remind myself that we've got an incredibly big God. Uh, If you want more information, notdull.org forward slash full view is where you'll find the details. And if you've never seen all of our building, if maybe you've only come into this room, I'd just encourage you to to come on the 27th. Um, We can show you around the building. Or just grab me. I'll happily show you around the building and talk to you about how we're using the different spaces. And we believe that through this project, we get to be a blessing to the city. You see, as a a church, we're in a series called Living in Exile. That as followers of Jesus, we have our citizenship in heaven. We belong to a different kingdom where Jesus is king. And yet we live our lives on the earth in this world, which is so often at odds with the kingdom of God. The Bible uses words such as sojourner, exile, foreigner to describe our situation. We don't belong here, and yet we find that this is the place that God has put us. And so we're looking at the the book of Daniel that's found in the Old Testament about how four men, Daniel and then Hananiah, Mishael, Ezariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as the names that they're given, uh, how they respond to this moment. They find themselves as Jews land in Jerusalem and taken into Babylon. This period of exile is covered in a a number of books in the Old Testament, including Ezra, 2 Chronicles, 2 Kings. Uh, And in Jeremiah, we read the prophet Jeremiah. He instructs those living in Babylon, living in exile, and he instructs them in Jeremiah 29, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. You know, as exiles, we are not to remove ourselves from the place we find ourselves but we are to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Still maintaining our distinctiveness as followers of Jesus in the way of the kingdom, but also enjoying the place that we find ourselves and being a blessing to it. You know, as a church, we have this large building in the city centre. 
Uh, what a chance to be a blessing to the city. We're determined that this place will be a place of welcome for the city. A place where uh, people in need will find refuge. A place for those who are lonely to find friendship. A place of fun and laughter for those in times of despair. And ultimately, that they would meet a community of faith that will open up their arms and welcome people in. Through us as a church and through this building, we get to share the love of Jesus with those outside. What an opportunity. Last week, I... I, a number of, you may have seen on social media, but a number of uh, KCOM employees came to volunteer with us for the day and they, they start, helped us with a warm space. They, uh, they helped in the showers and uh, with doing different tasks around the building. And one of them wrote on social media, he said, he said this, yesterday was probably the most humbling experience I had in my 12 and a bit years at KCOM. We were lucky to be given the opportunity and encouraged to do some volunteering during work hours. Me and some of the colleagues, my team, went and worked at Jubilee Central, meeting the team and the people who use their services. Not only is this an incredible building with fantastic facilities, it is a place of safety, warmth, and care for those who are struggling in many ways. It was a privilege to be there. I heard some incredible stories, shared some laughs, and fought back tears. So what we're doing with this building really matters. It really does matter. But actually, what matters even more is what we do as individuals. You see, as we live as exiles faithfully to God, we will see the kingdom breaking in. You see, the building doesn't move. It relies on people coming through the doors, and they do, hundreds every week, but we go out. We are carriers of, kingdom, of the kingdom as we go into our home, or on the university campus, in your, on your street, in your school or college, in your workplace, when you go to the job centre, on the sports field, in the coffee shop, with your friends, with your family, with your work colleagues, customers, even complete strangers. How we live truly matters because we get to show people Jesus. How do we live faithfully to the call of Jesus? Being in this world, yet not compromising our faith. How do we create this alternative community which we get to show Jesus off to the world and invite them to follow him? And that's what the series in Daniel is all about. And today we get to the seventh and eighth chapter of the book. The first six chapters have already seen the difficulty that Daniel's faced living as a foreigner in the kingdom of Babylon. Daniel is far from home. Jerusalem lays in ruin. God's people find themselves in Babylon and it's desperate times. The first six chapters tell us of this story. Uh, last week, Hannah shared uh, the story of Daniel in the lion's den. I'd encourage you, if you've not listened to it, catch up on our, our website or on our podcast. Great message. And then the second half of this book, chapters 7 to 12, contain a number of dreams and visions that Daniel sees. And, and today we find this, these, in chapter 7, this dream, chapter 8, a vision that is going to shock and comfort Daniel. And as we explore these chapters today, my prayer has been that, that maybe God will shock us a little bit, but also he's going to bring us some comfort. And I need to say that this is a really weird passage. Just, we're not going to read it all. Rachel read some of it. Um, it's very long. It gets very strange. You know, if you want, please do read it this afternoon, um, especially if you're going out for dinner. Read it aloud. See how they respond to it. But it's important to say that this is a dream, and I think dreams are allowed to be a little weird at times. 
Uh, and this, the, these two chapters and, and the whole second half of Daniel is a particular type of writing called apocalyptic, which means it has to do with the end times and how God brings history to a dramatic conclusion. And it's really important that when you're reading the Bible that you understand the different genres that this book contains. You know, there is history, there is books on law, there's wisdom, there's poetry, there's prophecy, there's the, the gospel writings and the life of Jesus. There's, there's letters and there is apocalyptic writings. And if you just pick up the Bible and just open up a page and you start reading it and you don't understand what you're reading, quickly you're going to be confused. And so when it comes to this writing in Daniel, uh, the aim is not to make specific detailed prophecies about the future. It's not what Daniel's doing. But instead it is to provoke powerful feeling. That's why it's full of imagery. The aim is not to turn us into investigators who speculate about the future but is instead to bring hope and confidence to God's people. That in spite of this current situation, God is in control and there is a beautiful future to come. And so before the passage that was read to us this morning, Daniel has received this dream. There are four great beasts. It's thought that it could refer to the empires of, of Babylon, of the Medo-Persians, of Greece and of Rome, but really, I don't think it's that important to us. The important thing to say is, but whatever these four empires are, they represent seemingly uncontrollable forces. They are fierce and they appear unstoppable. As we have considered exile over the last few weeks, I'm sure there are moments where you have felt despair. When you see the state of the world, the events in Russia, the, the, the state of our government, the cost of living crisis, we can live in this state of despair. You know, I have three young children, and you know, I wonder what world are they going to grow up in? And too often we, we think that the answer is if we can just reclaim our Christian heritage. Or maybe if enough prominent celebrities or, or pe prominent people come to know Jesus, then everything will be better. But that's not what God, the world God has called us into. He has given us our heavenly citizenship, but then he has called us to be the light of the kingdom into the darkness, to take that light into the dark places. Know that empires will rise and fall. Evil powers will terrorize God's people. Over 340 million Christians around the world are persecuted because they're faith today. You know, the beast of the world can seem uncontrollable and unstoppable. And then what happens is Daniel sees the vision of these beasts and then he sees a throne. Verse 9, as I looked, the thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and his, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out before him and thousands, thousands served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. The Ancient of Days, which is God, he takes his seat as judge. Notice that while everything looks hopeless, God is seated on a throne. Psalm 47, 8 tells us God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. You know, Isaiah 6, Isaiah sees the Lord uh, and, and he is seated on a throne. 
You know, this is a common picture that we see time and time again throughout Scripture. He created all, he sustains all, and he is not running around in a panic at the moment. He is seated on a throne. God has not been taken by surprise at the events of the last two and a half years. He is not busy formulating plan B. He's not working out how to deal with a post-pandemic world. He is not trying to deal with a world in crisis. God has been in control during pandemics before. God has been in control during world wars. He has sustained the world through devastating times and he will do it again. He is in total control and he will bring about judgment on the world. Know that no matter what you are going through, God is in control. Every day he causes the sun to rise. He sustains all things. He knows exactly what he is doing. And that's what the book of Daniel has been saying from the very beginning. Over and over again, it is saying that God is the one who rules over the kingdom of man. He gives dominion to who he gives dominion and he takes it away when he chooses. You can trust him today. Then the dream changes again. Verse 13, Ah, this is Daniel, he says, I saw the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. God destroys the beast, And then he gives the eternal kingdom to this figure who is one like the Son of Man. Two figures here. God, ancient of days, handing over his everlasting kingdom uh, of all nations to one who is like the Son of Man. What's Daniel thinking here as he sees these two figures? Samuel 2, 7. We read, God promised something to King David. Verse 13 to, to 16. I will establish my throne of his kingdom forever. This is God speaking. I will be his father and he will be my son, but my love will never be taken away from him. Your house and your kingdom will draw forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. There is a king coming, an heir to David, who would be God's son and rule and reign forever. This is the promise that God's people live with. Daniel sees this vision and it tells us in verse 15 that he was alarmed and anxious. Because although this king is coming, Daniel knew that the reality was it was still a long way off. You know, this is a great message, but Daniel knows there is still a time to come. In the meantime, when nations will rise and fall, persecution will happen, war and danger. He had a hope, and yet he knew that the beast of this world was still at work. God's people were in exile with this promise of one to come who would overcome all the powers of the world. He would establish the everlasting kingdom and it brought, so it brought such hope, but it didn't mean things were easy. Fast forward 550 or so years, Jesus arrives on the scene. Throughout the Gospels, we see time and time again, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man. For the Jews, it's clear what Jesus is claiming. They knew the words of Daniel 7, and they knew that Jesus was claiming to be the Son of God when, who, would, who would be given the everlasting kingdom. When Jesus is asked, are you the promised Messiah? Jesus quotes Daniel 7. He's saying, I am humanity and divinity in the same place. The next day, Jesus is put to death. Acts 7 
we see Stephen being stoned and he sees this vision. He says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Jesus becomes man, fully divine yet fully human lives perfect obedience to the Father, dies on the cross for our sin, and then is raised from the dead. Now he is standing at the right hand of the Father, the Son of Man. All power and all authority have been given to Jesus. He has defeated the, the power of sin and death on the cross. He is with God, and yet there is more to come. Because Daniel's dream doesn't just involve Jesus ruling over all things, but in verse 27 it says, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. A people called the saints reign with him. Not only does Daniel's dream present God in complete control, with all authority, giving this everlasting kingdom to Jesus, but we are involved. Not just spectating, but the people of God, the saints, the church, playing its part in God's everlasting plan. Revelation 21 gives us a, 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 this gives us a fuller view of this picture. It says this in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with his man, is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be more, any mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. I want to tell you that things get better. I'd love to tell you that you are on your, the edge of breakthrough. I'd love to tell you that if you just mustered up a little bit more faith, then you'd see God move. But I'd be guessing at best and lying at worst. Because we're exiles. We're going to suffer. We're going to be outcasts, aliens, foreigners. People we love will die. We may suffer health issues, financial issues, issues of our mental health, relational issues, yet in the midst of it all, God is with us. We will see the kingdom breaking in. We will see people being saved. We will see people being healed and restored. We will have times of abundance. We will experience joy because the kingdom is advancing. And so this message brought hope and comfort to Daniel. God is in control. He is ruling and one day we will be with Jesus forever, living in his kingdom as his people. A place where there is no mourning, no crying, no death, no pain. Life may be hard right now for you, but no, there is a moment to come where you will experience eternity with Jesus. You might be feeling persecuted right now. There is a moment to come where you have eternity with Jesus. And if we don't have this eternal perspective, we're going to give up and we're going to embrace the culture around us because we're going to think, oh, this is too hard. In the midst of chaos and anxiety, Daniel 7 brings hope 
and comfort. Despite all that is going on, may we remain faithful. God rules over the kingdoms. Every man and woman through all times and all seasons, we know how this ends. We live as exiles, but we bring hope to those around us. As you suffer but remain faithful, God works in and through you to establish his kingdom. Confident of what is to come, we get to go out and we get to introduce people to the king and we get to welcome them home into his kingdom. It is a wonderful privilege as the people of God. In chapter 8, there are more visions, this time about goats and rams. Again, the aim is not to make specific, detailed prophecies about the future, but it is to bring hope and comfort to God's people. But I just want to finish by drawing your attention to the final verse of, uh, of, final verse of chapter 8. It says, I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days, and then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Daniel sees these dreams and visions. It it brings hope, but it also brings concern about what is still to come. That Christ is victorious, and yet we do not see the fulfillment of that victory yet. Times are still hard. He was appalled by these visions. He lay exhausted for days. He's in a bad state. And then we see him get up and go about the king's business. He recovers and serves his earthly king. It's amazing. Talk about seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city to which God has placed you. How do we respond to the reality of the world that we live in? How do you respond today when you see the state of the world? Daniel sees what this vision, he sees what is to come and he lays exhausted. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to look at the state of the world and think, you know what, I just want to turn my alarm clock off and go back to bed. It's okay to take time out when things get too much. It's good to rest, but there is a time when we need to roll up our sleeves and go about the king's business. There is a time for when we just need to get busy doing the things of, this kingdom, of the kingdom. Because being full of the Spirit, stepping out into the darkness, carrying the light of the kingdom. As we give ourselves to serve the kings of this world, as we give ourselves to serve our city, to roll up our sleeves and say, you know what, I see the state of this world, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to go about the king's business having confidence that we have a heavenly king who is working in and through us as we lay down our lives to serve others. Today, resolve to be someone who makes a difference. Resolve to be someone who is going to be a blessing to the place that God has called you to, to those around you. Resolve that you will be the most hope-filled person in the room. We don't need any more moaners in this world. Will we be the most, when we walk into places, will we be the most hopeful person in the room? Because we know that no matter how dark things get, no matter what the news tells us, we have a king who is seated on a throne and one day he will make all things new. That's good news, is it not? Would you stand with me? Would the band return please?
We talk about the kingdom. We, we, we talk sometimes about the now and the not yet of the kingdom. That as, as Christians, we believe that the victory has been won on the cross, and yet we live in the, the in-between where the victory on the cross has been declared, and yet we wait Christ's return. How do we respond in the in-between? Because for some people, you, what you need today is, you know, we, I'm sure if you've been around church any amount of time, you will know that there are some people who, who over-realize what's happened. They're the ones who are like, breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. They're like, every time they're praying, it's, you know, an over-realized eschatology is what it would be called. Where they're just like, the kingdom's come, Jesus is victorious, so therefore we, we get abundance, we get this, we get that, we get breakthrough. And often what that can do in church life is it can make you just tired out and you go the other way. I mean, there are some people who are breakthrough people, but the majority of us go the other way and actually like, we just think, actually we just go about our days and we serve God and we, love, we deeply love God. And we, you know, we turn up and we do the stuff and we know Christ is returning, but right now we don't expect he's going to be breaking in. We turn up to church being like, oh yeah, it's going to be nice to be around people, but we don't expect Jesus to be breaking it. We walk down the street and we just think, oh, it's, I'm not expecting that God's going to give me a word of knowledge for that stranger. Or when I'm with my friends, I'm, like, I'm not expecting that if I share the good news of Jesus with them, they're going to say, you know what, I want to follow that Jesus. Because what happens is we just get so worn out by the world and so in despair that then when we get into living in the world, we just live like everyone else. I do it. <laughs> do it every day where I'm like, actually, do I wake up going, come on then, God, what have you got for me? That doesn't mean we have to walk around victorious in the name of Jesus, be healed, be healed, be healed, and then just kind of walk down the street and then everyone's like, who's the crazy guy? We don't have to be over the top with it. But I think when we see stuff like Daniel, when we see actually living in exile is not just about kind of getting to this point where we just, right, if I, like, let's just batten down the hatches. Let's just, can we just wait? Can you just wake me up when Christ returns? Just, I'm just going to stay here and the, the way of the world is horrible and we all, I'm not going to turn the news on. I'm not going to read a newspaper. And if I can just stay here for long enough and just someone give me a call when Jesus returns. Because that's sometimes what we do with our lives. The invitation of Daniel is to say, no, we can thrive in exile. I, I, I toyed between the series of, do we call it living in exile or thriving in exile? I, I kind of wish I'd done the other one, but we're like seven weeks in, so it's a bit late now. Because I think we can thrive in exile. I think we can. I think what we do is when we do what Daniel did, when we say, actually, even when times are hard, I'm going to get to that point, I've had my rest, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go about the king's business. I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days and then I got up and went about the king's business. Will you go about the king's business today? As we worship Jesus, I just want to invite us to be filled afresh with the Spirit because that's what's going to make the difference as we carry the Spirit into those places, as we carry the light into the darkness, we get to partner with God and see him do some amazing things. Yes, time's still going to be hard, Yes, there are going to be times of strengthening. Maybe right now you are in despair. The Spirit is going to come and bring you comfort. 
Right now, you might be doubting whether God could use you. The Spirit of God is going to come and equip you to faithfully serve him in dark places. You know, we need people who are going to put their hand up and say, you know what, show me the darkest place because I'm going to take light into it. That might be Iran. It might be Syria. It might be areas of our city where there's no believers. It might be areas of, it might be that work, the workplace where you just know the kingdom is so at odds here. The kingdom is so at odds that when I walk into this place, I feel like, oh, I feel this heaviness. Like it feels heavy being a believer here. God wants to equip you today to be the most hopeful person in that room. Because as Christ's believers, we, as his followers, we carry hope. We carry hope today. My hope is not in the government. <laughs> Thank goodness. My hope is not in the events around the world. My hope is not in the next forecast or the interest rates from the Bank of England. My hope is not in how well I can do this Christian stuff. My hope is not whether as a church we can have enough impact. My hope is not in anything other than the work of Christ. That's where my hope is. My hope is found at the cross. Would you come to Jesus today? Would you reach out your arms and say, God, would you fill me afresh to live this life out? Would you reach out to God today and say, I want to be the most hopeful person? Carrying the kingdom even into the darkest places. God, where I am not seeing you move, Lord, would you come and, and raise expectation that you are going to use me to bring light into darkness? Lord, would you come now for where we've given up expecting that you're going to move and would you fill us with expectation? Lord, where you place us into dark places, Lord, we pray that you would come and give us the boldness to speak out our faith, the boldness to tell people about you, the boldness to invite people into a relationship with you. Lord, would you come right now and fill us by your spirit? Would you come now across this room to each of us? Would you lift our eyes to eternity? Would you lift our eyes to what you are doing across the nations and what you will is still to come? Lord, that place where there is no mourning, there is no death, there is no pain. Lord, would you lift our eyes? Would you remind us afresh there is a better day to come? For those who are in despair right now, for those who are in tough places, for those suffering from anxiety and depression, mental health issues, Lord, would you come and lift their eyes to eternity and say that their life might be hard right now, but there is a better day to come. Would you come, Lord? You know what each of us need. Would you fill us afresh with your spirit?